Hi there, Dan Wake here. Just uh, yeah, real pleasure to be sharing with you this morning on the theme of Advent uh, as we lead up to Christmas. So waiting, it's not easy to wait. Waiting can feel uncomfortable, it can feel frustrating, and it can feel painful. We live in a culture where waiting is no longer in fashion. Our culture conditions us to expect the immediate. We shouldn't have to wait. You know, I'm busy. I need it now. We send an email and can feel frustrated when a reply is not received within hours, if not minutes. We send a text and regularly check our phones for the reply. We post on Facebook or Instagram and eagerly await the first of what we hope are many likes. We buy our drink at Starbucks and are perplexed if it's not there by the time we get to the end of the counter. We order on Amazon and think the delivery is slow if it's not with us by tomorrow. We value speed, not slow. We hurry to achieve. The quicker, the better. To wait is to waste. In our striving for what's next, have we lost the art of waiting? For much of this year, 2020, we have found ourselves waiting and watching a lot of the news and press briefings. In January and February, we watched as coronavirus was spreading across China, and we waited to see if it would spread across the world. By March, it had arrived officially in the UK, and we waited to see if it would turn into a pandemic. It did. And by April, we were in lockdown. And we waited and we watched as the numbers infected sharply went up over that next couple of months. And then slowly and gradually came down. We waited and waited, longing and hoping to regain some normality. And it arrived to a degree in the summer months. And then in November we were back in lockdown. But, but then, in the thick of lockdown number two, hope arrived. You know, initially it was one, and then a second, and then a third. Your vaccines had been found to provide significant immunity to this new virus. The mood and the tone shifted. Hope was ignited. The saviour to the global pandemic is on the way. It's coming. We've seen the evidence and the first fruits. Vaccinations have now just begun. So we know it's coming. We just have to wait. Interestingly, we can draw parallels with what we are experiencing today to the Christian faith and the season of Advent we are in as we lead up to Christmas. You know, all of us know that things in this world and in life can be pretty messed up. Take the global pandemic with a horrific number of deaths as just one example. But there are others. 
illnesses, loneliness, corruption, greed, exploitation, selfishness. We live in what is a beautiful and amazing world, but marred by these destructive and painful things. But just like the vaccines in our analogy, those of us who follow Jesus have hope. In the New Testament book of Revelation, we read a glorious description of the new heavens and new earth, reunited once again, where God himself is with his people, where God will wipe away every tear, where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. We have this glorious future hope. And at the same time for the Christian, this hope has actually broken into the present, in and through the person of Jesus. This hope broke into the present in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection, and continues to do so today. Yet, as we look around us, we know and experience that this hope is yet to arrive in all its fullness. We live in these in-between times of the now and the not yet, when Jesus has come and initiated the renewal of creation. But yet we eagerly wait for Jesus' coming again, when creation will once and for all be renewed in all its fullness. We know it's coming, but we wait. Waiting is a common theme in the Bible. There are many individuals as well as communities of people through the story of the Bible who spent time waiting. Many for promises to be fulfilled, for children, for rescue, for a new home and uh, for fulfilment of promises. We could, for example, turn to Abraham and Sarah, or the nation of Israel wandering around the desert. We could look to Mary, the mother of Jesus, or indeed John the Baptist. But today, I want to turn to the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. Specifically, I want us to to consider words that God spoke through Jeremiah in the form of a letter sent to Israelite exiles living in Babylon. They are exiles because they have been uprooted from their home, Jerusalem, and the land God had given them. And they've been carried off to Babylon as prisoners and as captives. Everything around them is strange and foreign. These Israelite exiles don't want to be there. They want to be back in Jerusalem. And of course they do. It's their home. This wasn't what they expected. Their desire and impatience to be back home is fueled by false prophets who were telling them to expect an almost immediate end to their exile, that they would soon experience freedom once again. They were being given false hope. And it is to this false hope by these false prophets that God speaks through Jeremiah. And here's a section of what Jeremiah heard from God and wrote to the exiles from chapter 29, verses 4 to 7 and verse 11. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. 
Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The first striking thing in this passage is that whilst King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon were the agents who took the people into exile, verse 4 describes how it is in fact Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, who has orchestrated the people's exile to Babylon. Verse 4 reads, to all those I carried into exile. Was exile God's hope for Israel or their ultimate destination as God's people? No. Was exile what God desired for his people? I don't think so. But constant disobedience and idolatry by the people towards God had meant they had led themselves down this very path and for the longer term hope and restoration of the people, God orchestrated this event. But despite being carried off into exile, verses 5 to 7 are remarkably positive and come with affirmation. In contrast to the false prophets declaring the imminent demise of Babylon and the return of the exiles to Judah, God gives the Israelites, Israelite exiles instructions which speak to an extended stay in Babylon. Being carried off into exile is not the end for the people of God but the beginning of a new phase of existence and relating to God. Whilst there is a long wait for these exiles it is not to be a passive waiting. So God instructs them to build houses and settle down, to plant gardens and eat, to marry and increase in number, to seek the peace of the city, you know, its harmony, its prosperity, its fullness, and to also pray for it. You know, this is not really the activity of either those who are facing their destruction or those who have been abandoned by God. In fact, Planting and sowing are images of hope. It's an image of the good life and represents part of a prophetic vision of Israel's future restoration. Gardens represent a blessing from God. You know, and I wonder too if the language of gardens and the instruction to increase in number isn't but a reference to the creation accounts in Genesis. Is there something of recreation going on here? But why the building of houses, the settling down, the planting of gardens? Because even in exile, they are still to be a blessing to the nation. 
Just because they are in exile doesn't mean they are to be released from their calling and they are still to play their part in God's mission to the world. God is interesting, interested in reaching all people and all places. And these Israelite exiles are not to curse and withdraw from Babylon, as the false prophets were suggesting. God wants to reveal himself, you know, his power to these pagan kings and people through the Israelite exiles and their seeking of peace and blessing. This is not a time to sit and wait idly for deliverance. God's mission is not something done to them and others by God alone, but God actively calls Israel and us to be a part of his ongoing mission to the world. And restoration doesn't arrive at the end, it invades the present for these Israelites and gives them hope and something to live for. And this is not an individual concept in, concept in the New Testament. And in the Apostle Peter's first letter, he speaks to those who are exiles and scattered. Among other things, he instructs them to live such good lives among the pagans. Peter recognises the church is in a state of exile and that they await the fullness of God's kingdom. It is still to come. Yet he acknowledges that the mission of God continues amongst these pagans in exile. Finally, back to our passage in Jeremiah. And although God instructs them with purpose and encouragement for their present circumstances, God reveals to them in verse 11 this glorious promise that he has plans for shalom, peace for them, for hope and a future. There may be a lengthy wait in store, but the hope of God's promise for a future is certain. So what does this story of exile have to do with you and I? And what on earth does it have to do with Advent? Although what is spoken about in Jeremiah and elsewhere in the Bible speaks of a more extreme form of exile, being in exile could essentially be boiled down to being in a place, physically or emotionally, that we don't want to be. Today, you and I can feel the emotions of being in exile. These could be expressed through changes in society, like a pandemic and being in lockdown. You know, changes to government, changes to our workplaces or even our families, you know, whether it be hostile work environments or, or challenging relationships. Changes to our bodies and our health, mental or physical. Each of us can experience these emotions. And for many of us, we find ourselves waiting for change, waiting for rescue, waiting for healing we can in some ways relate to the circumstances of these Israelite exiles. And of course, significantly for Christians, until Jesus comes again and God's kingdom arrives in all its fullness, we live as exiles in this world, in cities, towns, communities and cultures which are often at odds with the way of Jesus and his kingdom to which we belong. And so, as we wait await Jesus' coming, for him to break into present circumstances and for the second coming. How can these words from Jeremiah help us in our waiting? 
there are four things I want to draw out. Firstly, Jeremiah reminds us that God is with us in our waiting. Whether we find ourselves in challenging situations and seasons, or whether it's simply navigating living the Christian life in a post-Christian world, God is with us. It's important to say that not every challenging situation or uncomfortable place is orchestrated by God. Some some situations may just be unhealthy or a result of a world ordering itself without God. You know, we, we need God's wisdom and healing in such situations, as well as the counsel of other trusted fellow followers of Jesus. God will use circumstances as an opportunity for us to grow and deepen in our relationship with him. So pray that God would help you in your place of exile to know his presence and his leading and that you might grow deeper in your relationship with God. Secondly, while we wait for rescue, Jeremiah reminds us that God doesn't want us to just exist idly as we wait. God wants to partner with us to build, to grow, to multiply and ultimately to flourish in our waiting. It is often challenging, sorry, is it often challenging and stretching? Absolutely. Can it be painful? Yes. But the words of God through the prophet invite and encourage us to embrace and be fully present in our place of exile. Waiting in a healthy and active way can lead to flourishing and blessing. Despite what our culture today will tell us, waiting is not wasted time. In fact, if our sole focus is looking for the wait to be over, then we'll miss what is right before us. So as you wait in whatever that place is you'd rather not be in, build, settle and plant that which will bear fruit. challenging as it might be pray that it might be the start of a new deeper relationship with God and invite others to journey with you in prayer and support thirdly part of flourishing in the waiting is the calling for us to work for the peace the shalom of the place of exile we find ourselves in and not only that but we are to pray for that place too in your place of exile your place of discomfort what does it mean to seek the peace and blessing of god and when we talk about peace we are to think of words like harmony of unity of completeness of fullness and blessing for that hostile work environment and demanding boss we seek peace and pray for the blessing of god on that business and that person For those challenging family relationships and dynamics, we work towards and pray for peace, harmony, the blessing and fullness for all members. For our government and local leaders, we pray for the peace and prosperity of our towns, our cities and our communities. We may question or challenge the culture, absolutely but we do so in humble submission and eagerly pray for God's presence and the restoration of our communities. You know, we can trust God that in doing so, we'll know and experience the shalom of God in our own lives and our communities. Finally, and fourthly, 
We live in light of the future hope and promises of God. Just as Jeremiah encouraged the exiles with God's words of hope and a future, we too share this hope and future. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed passed away. Revelation 21 verses 1 to 4. And so in this Advent season, the lead up to Christmas, when we celebrate Jesus' coming and look ahead to his future coming, would you take hold of Jeremiah's words to be fully present in the waiting? Would we be co-workers in God's mission to our cities, our towns, our workplaces, our families and places of education and healthcare? May we work for the peace of those places and pray for them continually. And finally, in our celebrations and our anticipation of Jesus' coming, May we be reminded of our future hope and glory, which is coming in the future and has broken into the present through Christ Jesus. May you plant gardens and flourish in your waiting. And we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. God bless.